0: This is your host, Angela Gorman. We have a really fascinating conversation for you today that dives deep into the contemporary art world and its intersection with philanthropy. The conversation which will be led by our editor in chief Hilary Latos is with one of the most colorful Titans of the art world and our guest for today, Simone de Puri. Simone de Puri is a man of many trades, an art dealer, curator, photographer. Art market expert, and last but not least, a world-renowned auctioneer. He's also the founder of Puri, a community built around the passion of discovery and collecting. With decades of experience, Simone is actively involved in charity auctions, having raised billions of dollars for numerous charities and cultural institutions around the world. A recent article pointed out that he's known as the Mick Jagger of auctions due to his ability to make the sales room buzz with excitement, resulting in skyrocketing selling prices. He is the real deal. So whether you're a seasoned collector or simply a lover of art, I welcome you to listen in. And before I let Hillary kickstart her conversation, I would love to give our audience just a little inside look at Simone's world with some rapid fire questions are you game yes <laughs> all right a song you're listening to on repeat Ooh,
1: there is a song that i was listening by a french singer called julie Amanet, and it's a windmill of your mind it's it's a song written by michel legrand which was used for the movie uh, Thomas Crown Affair. It's a completely new version, and it was used by Air France for an an advertising campaign, and it's just haunting. I just love listening to that song. The craziest or most fun auction you've ever led? The craziest one was maybe an Amphar auction when uh, uh, Madonna offered to uh, sell one hour in the gym with her, and there was frenetic bidding in the room for it, and then eventually one uh, the highest bidder prevailed at one million euros, and then the uh, underbidder looked extremely disappointed, and so uh, Madonna was asked by Leonardo DiCaprio, who was in the room, if she would donate a second hour in the gym. And she agreed, so which brought the total to 2 million euros. And then a third person <laughs> was said he was prepared to pay a million euros as well. So in other words, uh, a gym session with Madonna raised 3 million euros for Amphar. And when things like that happen, it's true magic and it's also... Of course, fantastic when uh, people are so generous, not only the artists donating the works, but also the people, of course, acquiring these money-can-buy experiences.
0: Favorite city for shopping or looking at
1: art? Favorite city, I love uh, Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo is a magic city. Uh, it's never asleep. I love the contrast between the contemporary and the timeless Japan, and they live very well side by side. And uh, Tokyo is a city where always stimulated and excited.
0: If you could resurrect one artist from history, who would it be?
1: Well, uh, probably Picasso. I mean, it's not uh, you know I, it's that long ago that he passed away, and and he's very very present in our lives, and uh, we can appreciate his work in so many places. But I never had the privilege of meeting him, and uh, yet this is somebody I would love to meet.
0: And then describe your life in three words.
1: Passion, passion, and passion. Love it. Which is the engine of my life.
0: That's absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Simone, for entertaining me there. And I hope everyone really enjoys what's up next. Hillary, you can kick off your conversation with Simone. Thank you so
2: much. Simone, I wanted to give our readers a little bit of background about how you started in the art world and uh, how you got to where you are and
1: what you're doing right now. Yes, well, I've spent all my uh, professional life in the art world, and the art market in particular. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was dreaming of becoming an artist myself. I then tried to become an artist. I went to the Tokyo Academy of Arts and studied Japanese brush painting. And uh, I rapidly saw that maybe I was not as great an artist that I had expected to be. <laughs> and so <laughs> the next best thing became to uh, get into the art market and I had—I grew up in Basel in Switzerland and uh, one of the world's leading dealers were based in Basel at the time, Ernst Beiler, and he gave me some advice and helped me to get into the market and I started with a Swiss auction company in Bern called Galerie Kontfeld and then I joined Sotheby's and so on and so on. So. Uh, I feel very privileged to be active as an art dealer, as an auctioneer, as an advisor, as a curator, and um, have been active in this market for many, many years now.
2: So how do you feel it's changed uh, in the secondary art market? What kind of Opportunities do you see right now, and especially for emerging artists and NFTs, and how is the digital token played into art sales and the way that the trajectory
1: it's experiencing right now? So the art market has become truly global. You have collectors all over the world. And uh, you mentioned, you know, digital art, which is the big uh, addition, I would say, to the art market uh, with the advent of the NFTs, uh, which really got a lot of traction a year and a half ago when one NFT sold for sixty-nine million dollars, and that, you know, got everybody's attention and uh, nowadays artists have many, many ways of expressing themselves, and they can use all the new technologies to express themselves. Uh, What is interesting to note is that now that artists have a wider choice than ever before in uh, how they do their work, there is also a revival of timeless techniques like uh, oil and canvas, sculptures, ceramics, uh, works done with textiles, and these timeless techniques are flourishing Uh, while at the same time uh, there are all these new ways of expressing themselves for artists.
2: What do you think um, creates value in art? Because you see some overnight sensations, especially Miami Art Basel or some of these shows, like the more sensational pieces like the banana that was taped on the wall that went for for six figures. Do you think that these younger artists want the instant gratification? And with social media, they feel that somehow they're entitled to that sort of fame that other artists have been struggling with their whole life? Like, how do you think that social
1: media is playing into what artists' expectations are these days? Well, social media have played a big role in getting attention to a number of artists. And so you have many more artists that go from zero to big prices in in no time at all. And they do get instant attention, instant fame. The question is, uh, can you then keep that attention? Can you keep that momentum? In many cases, it's not possible to keep it. And so you see that some artists who have been shooting stars, after a little while, they go back to where the journey began. And so, One has to be quite cautious because there are these waves that develop. And uh, as we all know, waves come crashing down. However, with each wave that comes crashing down, something always remains off that wave. And you have one or two artists that remain and uh, will go the whole distance.
2: What are some of your personal favorite pieces in your own collection? Pieces that you love versus pieces that you see as an
1: investment? Yes, there are, uh, of course, uh, things that instantly attract you and that you, for whatever reasons, can't describe. You, are, you feel you absolutely have to have. And, But even when you have these strong urges to buy and acquire an artwork that instantly appeals to you, you have to do your homework. You have to see uh, if these artists have an international audience or if it's a purely local audience you have to see you know how much work they produce if they flood the market or if they are so so rare that they simply not enough to make a market um you have a, a number of criteria to judge uh, if it's a particularly good example of that particular work or or um, not particularly good and also the state of conservation the size you don't want something that is too monumental because otherwise it will limit its uh potential and so when you put all these rational points and take those into account as well you can buy very intelligently and smartly uh, and buy something that you love but at the same time have the feeling that you have invested your money intelligently
2: what do you think are the uh are the main criteria for say family offices that invest in art as a as an alternative investment to hedge against inflation and to put their money in a safe haven, what are you advising them to do?
1: I, I think very often is better to uh, already acquire works that have a certain consensus that have established itself, i.e. your entry level may be higher. Um, however, your downwards risk is much more limited. If you buy an artist where that is already shown in museums around the world, that is already appreciated on an international basis, that uh, has had a number of publications about it. Uh, so when you have that wide consensus, uh, your price, your entry-level price may be higher, but the chance of it going the whole way uh, and, and becoming much more valuable is much greater. And as I said, the downward risk is very limited.
2: Very true. And then what are your thoughts on uh, the freeholds to buy art, leave them there, avoid taxes? How do you think that that would play as art as an investment? And do you advise your clients to do this?
1: Well, a lot of uh, big collectors have homes in various countries and various jurisdictions. And very rapidly, when you start collecting, you know, first you put it on your walls, but very rapidly you run out of walls. And then comes a the moment when you start storing some of your works. And uh, I know some collectors who. Uh, store their works, and then they change the hanging in their homes uh, on a regular basis, or they have not decided yet where they are going to hang a work in, in in which ones of their homes, and so until they have created the space in one of their homes, they put it into a storage space, and so a, a freeport uh, that you are alluding to is a tax-free zone where you store these works until you have decided in which country you want to have those works. And then you pay, of course, the import duty for those works when you bring it into that relevant country.
2: And then what about having that as a tax advantage for buying
1: and reselling? Well, the advantage is uh, if you don't live with these works, uh, that you you know that you don't have to pay uh, the import taxes for those works when you acquire them or, or when you store them, but uh, you only postpone the issue because, as I said before, once you've decided where you want to have them, uh, that comes a moment when you will have to pay these uh, duties. So you know it's just a additional way of storing works in a highly secure environments and. Um, if you do not live with the work, so it's it's a great advantage to be able to store a work in such conditions. Of
2: course, and tell us a little bit about uh, Dupuri. That's your latest project, correct?
1: Right? So, uh, with Dupuri, we do a number of uh, primary market online auctions. Primary market means it is the artists themselves that consign those works and. 100% of the hammer price goes to the artist and to the galleries championing their work to so the galleries representing them and we uh, take a, a buyer's premium and we pay also a, a percentage 3% in each case to a charity that is uh, linked to the theme of the auction so we had an auction called women art done in times of chaos uh, done by female artists during the years of the pandemic and we are working on four upcoming auctions one is called fire which is works done in glass and ceramics one is called create which is design and then we have an auction entitled paradise lost which is all about nature environment and the fourth auction is called kawaii kawaii being the japanese word for cute because there is a kind of a movement of artists using sort of acute elements in their work, uh, which uh, reflects this kind of nostalgia for childhood or uh, wanting to remain childish even when you are adult. And
2: how does this differ than other online
1: auctions? They differ. Uh, First of all, I wanted these auctions to have an element of fun uh, that you have when you attend a live auction. So rather than just seeing figures going up, uh, we've created an avatar of myself, which is conducting the auction. So you inject a bit of fun and humor. And um, now for the moment, I have to wear a space suit and the avatar is replicating my uh, movements. But my objective is, of course, that the Avatar will be able to conduct these auctions by himself without me having to uh, conduct the auction live. Are you curating the shows and the auctions? So I'm curating these auctions because uh, each one is around a theme. And uh, each one should be coherent in its, its, its own way because... Uh, I do my profession because I'm obsessed with art. I love art. And so each auction is an opportunity to work closely with artists and to show different aspects of their work and put a spotlight on one particular aspect of what they do.
2: Great. And then are there any artists that are on your radar right now that are
1: some of the the hot artists that you personally love? I mean, there are a lot of artists that I love. And um, and, and as a collector, it's always more interesting to collect some artists in depth. When you really love an artist is uh, to have several works by those artists. Now, it's interesting to note that the two artists who, year after year, uh, command the highest prices in auctions, also the highest auction totals, are Picasso and mm-hmm. Warhol. Now, these are artists that were prolific, and uh, there was a great variety in in their work. So, if you own one Picasso, it simply will not be enough because you will want to have Picassos showing different period, different uh, types of works. Same thing with Warhol. You know, you, you may want to have an early one, but you may also wish to have uh, uh, some uh, late works by by him. And um, so now, the uh, when you when you follow c- contemporary art, the the great thing is that you can see them on social media. You can follow what they do, and you really see how they develop, how they grow. Uh, And that's what is, in a way, the most exciting part, because you don't have the distance that time gives you, because when you buy later, it's easier, as we've said earlier, and you can make more informed decisions. But the true adventure, of course, is to follow what's happening right now, because art never stops in the same way that music never stops. And I just love to listen to every week to what the latest new songs are that have just come out that have just been released. And same thing in art. Uh, it's fascinating to see in real time what's just been created.
2: So how do you feel that AI, now that you're talking about it, you're, you know, seeing it created in real time, how do you feel that AI is going to be influencing art, and either from the way that we collect or the way that art is made?
1: Well, I have, I'm have. i a strong believer that the new technologies, in particular blockchain, will have a huge, huge impact in, in a way, linking uh, physical art with uh, technology. And, for instance, uh, when certain artworks need to have an, a certificate of authenticity, uh, very often people lose these certificates. And uh, and when they try and resell a work, it's a problem because they cannot put their hands on these certificates. With blockchain, everything that is linked to the provenance of an artist, everything that is linked to each transaction, uh, every aspect of it can be put on the blockchain and that will make it much more transparent. Uh, and so you will have a seamless story of each artwork uh, that will be av- uh, freely available and, and consultable thanks to blockchain. So I think the uh, blockchain in particular and these new technologies will help uh, making the art market much more easy to navigate, much more transparent, and um, will enlarge the overall size of the market substantially in terms of number of participants.
2: Yeah, and then also it'll prevent um, forgery as well, or some of the other <laughs> high-profile
1: cases we've been reading about about people realizing they're a fake. And then uh, one other additional aspect is that uh, if you own a physical work, you may then also wish to own a digital. Uh, token of that same work and 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 the physical work and the digital work may have a life of their own then going forward. So there are plenty of advantages of what is happening now. I think we are living in a very exciting period uh, which is widening the possibilities for artists as we've said but for collectors in a big way.
2: And what do you feel is um, are the biggest drivers in the surge in art prices? Like every auction, you always hear that it garnered record-breaking
1: numbers. So what do you think are the drivers? The drivers is quality, scarcity, uh, rarity, beauty, beauty. Uh it's in a way, art is the ultimate luxury when you know when when you have everything and where uh, when you are uh, beyond you know, just uh, buying luxury items or uh, art b- lifts you to a totally different level, a different dimension. Also, art is the only true legacy, that lasting legacy that a human person can leave when you look, at uh, great achievements of great figures in the past. At the end of the day, the only ones who outlast uh, everything else is those who made great cultural achievements. So uh, having access to art and being able to to acquire the best is something that will go on driving us. And um, so, But you have to be very careful because taste is constantly evolving. The art market will continue to go up and up. But within the art market, there will be fluctuations and movements of taste. And so you've got to keep an eye on a change of taste uh, in order to uh, invest shrewdly. Of course. And as an
2: art advisor... What are some of the biggest trends that you are advising your clientele
1: to? Uh, you, you have to try and be uh, careful not to follow fashions too much because uh, I, I alluded earlier to waves that uh, happen in the market. and. You know, there was five years, six years ago, there was a real tendency towards abstraction, towards process based abstraction. Now it's the exact opposite. You know, the pendulum had swung all the way the other direction. Uh, 80% or 90% of what is sought after now is figurative contemporary art. And uh, in the end, one should try and be looking at an artist uh not if he's in the trend of what is uh, sought after right now but just really if there is deep intrinsic quality and if it really um is exceptional in every every way in the terms of originality but also uh, every other aspect and and does it have really the potential to become timeless because if you look at an artwork and you instantly think oh this is so nineteen sixties uh then it's linked to its time, whereas a truly great artwork, at the end of the day, you don't instantly think, oh, this is uh, this and this period. You, It becomes timeless, and it has a timeless appeal to you. And in a way, it's this timelessness of art, which is its magic, because we all look uh, to find something that is eternal, that doesn't fade, does, doesn't go away, and Uh, When art is truly, truly great, you have all of these elements. Of course. And
2: have there been any auctions or sales that you've been part of that have surprised you?
1: yes and when you prepare an auction you uh, study the potential purchasers you it's like a fuzzy picture that becomes sharper and sharper the closer you get to the time of the auction so you don't have total surprises by the time uh, as an auctioneer you go on the rostrum you know pretty well what will do very well and and what may be tough however uh, If there were no surprises, it would be very boring and very predictable. And that's precisely what brings all the excitement uh, to the auction world and to the market in general, because the minute two people are obsessed in getting an object, anything can happen. And what do you do to prod more money out of people? Uh, (laughs) As an auctioneer, it's something that you do instinctively you know you can't describe you you have to tune yourself with the audience and then when you are complete unison <laughs> same wavelength okay. as your audience then uh, you create a climate where people are going to feel great and happy about bidding uh, energetically uh, if, on the contrary, uh, everybody is completely depressed and uh, down uh, in their mood, then they will not be as bold and uh, enthusiastic in their bidding. And And I've seen it myself when I go to an auction. You know, if I see that it's a very gloomy atmosphere, <laughs> I may bid far less than I had uh, decided to to do before getting into the auction room. So, uh, you know, I, I also do... Uh, act as a DJ because my other great passion besides art is music. And it's in a way the same thing. You know, a a DJ can't come with a prepared set list and just go and do his set list. He has to be in tune with the people who are in the audience. So if you're in tune, you see if somebody is leaving, if some people are leaving the dance floor, you immediately have to adjust to it and um, put on music that gets people to dance genetically and energetically.
2: What are you looking forward to next? Is your next auction going to be Cannes
1: for Amphar? Uh, Yes, I conduct a lot of uh, benefit auctions. So the very next one is going to be the Amphar Gala during the Cannes Film Festival, which is one of the biggest uh, uh, charity benefits globally. But I conduct, you know, something like 30 to 40 benefit auctions every year around the world. And uh, these are also exciting events in their own right. And very often in those events, you can do some extremely good purchases because artists are very generous and donate wonderful examples of their work to these various charities.
2: And what are your summer plans?
1: My summer plans uh, are not fully defined yet my my yearly program depends on all the auctions and art fairs that i'm attending and i like to keep things as flexible as possible for the rest of it because um, i feel that otherwise you become the prisoner of your plans but um, i i will probably you know be in monaco and or on the south of france to take advantage of the summer. Also, there will be some great exhibitions taking place. There's a big uh, Monet exhibition that is going to be staged at the um, Grimaldi Forum in Monaco. So I'm very much looking forward to see that. And um, I'll also go to Switzerland. I have a farm there, and uh, that's the one time in the year when I meet my five children. So Uh I'm, of course, looking forward to family time.
2: Oh great! What is your favorite piece of art of all time?
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, it it will change most days, but there are I have a kind of a top top twenty five list in my mind of works that simply every time I see them again uh, move me to the core of my being, and there is one work by. Uh, Goya uh, hanging at the Prado Museum that every time I am in Madrid I simply have to go and see. I have to go and see the Prado first of all because it's one of the best museums in the world but that uh, painting is a very large work which is nearly completely abstract and just in the center of the work you have the head of a dog and the dog has such an unbelievably strong expression that you you get emotionally very very moved looking at it and, and I love the near total abstraction of the work. It's a very contemporary work. I mean it could have done been painted now. And uh, I'm in love with this work, but I could go on mentioning a lot of other outstanding artworks. That sounds that sounds wonderful.
0: Thank you Hilary and thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you had just as much fun as I did listening to Simone. It was fantastic. Thank you again, Simone. If anybody would like to learn a little bit more about DePuri, you can visit DePury at www.de-pury.com or go ahead and follow Simone on Instagram. His handle is Simone DePuri, S-I-M-O-N-D-E-P-U-R-Y. I love his content you should definitely follow him. And thanks again, everyone. Have a wonderful week.